What up, everybody? Ryan Rucco, CC Sabathia here with another new episode of R2C2. We couldn't let you go into the new year without a new app. We got some great questions from you guys on social media. We review CC's performance as a Nets analyst, and I try and make him commit to being a Yankees analyst as well. And we also hear, I think, really interesting perspective from C about what he learned about himself in 2020 after retiring. That's all coming up on the newest R2C2. It starts right now. What's up, everybody? We're back. R2C2. This is a, a, special, week. a special holiday edition, man. Yeah, well, man, you know, we, we didn't have to do this, but, you know, we decided to, to be good to our fans. <laughs> exactly. And so to even soldier through, even when you don't have your equipment with you, we said, you know what? People need a fresh R2C2 on New Year's Eve when they're driving to wherever, you know, they're working or whatever, you know, they, they need a fresh app. So they're still getting it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, people are traveling for the holidays. I mean, still being safe, but, you know, people are still on the road. So uh, hopefully we can get you to your destination, you know, safely in town. Exactly, man. Exactly. I just see we just got to start off with this. The doc was terrific. I know you're probably talked out about it after all the interviews you did in advance of it. And 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 uh, and obviously we had our, our pod with Amber talking about it a lot, but Man, it was so good, dude. It really was. Bravo. Congratulations, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, I was excited with the way it turned out. And, you know, just the response that we've been getting has been very positive. So uh, it was a lot of fun to be able to to put it together. Obviously, Sadie and, and Amber did a lot of the work and, you know, doing the voiceover, you know, HBO putting it together, Major League Baseball teaming with us. Like, it was just a blessing. So, I'm, I'm, you know, hopefully it can help somebody. And, and like we said, you know, if it just helps one person, it was all worth it. But it was fun to be a part. I mean, obviously fun to be a part of it, but it was fun to be able to put it together and have it, you know, be on HBO. It's crazy. Did, did who, what was the most memorable reaction or reach out that you think you've had in the aftermath of the doc? Man, it's been so many, but I just think, I mean, just random fans, you know, it hasn't been, um, you know, just people reaching out, you know, on Instagram and, and things like that, you know, telling their stories or, you know, what they've been through and how they can relate to it. And I think that was the point of making this documentary is just letting, you know, fans and people know that like players go through regular shit, you know, mm. all the time. And, and, you know, we, we deal with stuff too. So, you know, sometimes the, the field can be, you know, the only place we escape. So, uh, you know, you know, sometimes, you know, just want to be able to relate to people in that way. Well, to, uh, right, right on uh, that point. See, you know, we're we've made this episode more of a mailbag, quick little end of twenty twenty, spring into twenty twenty one app. And uh, one of the uh, questions we got on social media on Twitter was from uh, off season Emmy, who tweeted, "No question, just tell Cece I watched his documentary and truly admire him." He gave me hope for someone in my family who is struggling with alcoholism. Thank you for speaking about this disease out loud, Hearts. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's all it's about. And, you know, just trying to give, you know, so like one person, you know, like I said, if, if, it, if it just reaches one person and, you know, you know, just gives that person the courage to reach out and, and you know, let people know that they're alcoholic. That's the hardest part is just actually admitting that you, that you need the help and admitting that you're, you know, that, that you're an addict. So, um, 
you know, like I said, just, just, you know, for, for, and then I got a chance to, t- to talk to a, um, to a sober house, you know, uh, oh, the day cool. after the doc, you know, I was just thinking that just popped up in my head. But I got a chance to talk to a sober house the day after the doc. It's the first time I've ever did that. So that was cool. I look forward to doing that a lot more because when I was in rehab, you know, people coming in and sharing their stories is kind of what gets you through, you know, like, you yeah. know, letting people know that, that there is an, a, an a other side of this, um, that you can get through. And, and so it just gives people hope. What what is a sober house? See, just for I'm naive. Well, to just that. Some, somewhere like somewhere, yeah, somewhere where like where I went, you know, uh, a treatment center that that has um, you know inpatient uh, treatment, outpatient treatment. Um, so they, and they have meetings all the time, like AA meetings, NA meetings, and they have people come in and speak all the time. So when I was in rehab, every night um, there was so every night there was a meeting. But there were three nights a week that were on campus and then two nights a week that were off campus. The two nights a week that they were off campus while I was in rehab, I didn't go. I would have one-on-one therapy with, um, with my therapist at that time, just because like, you know, everything that was going on and I, you know, we weren't you know, trying to make it really public and didn't want p- pictures and stuff. So, um, those two nights off campus, I didn't, re- I didn't go to those meetings. But the but the guys really enjoyed those meetings because it was everyday people coming in that were living their life sober that you get a chance to, you know, kind of relate relate to and, and understand that you can do this. You can do this thing sober because for the longest time, you know, as an alcoholic, you don't think that you can function without alcohol. Hmm. Sounds crazy as fuck if you don't if you're not an addict. <laughs> right. But yeah. but like for the longest time, I don't think I could pitch without alcohol because it just sounds crazy. That but it's does. the truth. Yeah. yeah. You, you know what else is like wild to me, man? It just uh, on the dock front along those lines, like you described in the dock um, how your formula was you would drink for, you know, let's say the night you started the next two days and then you wouldn't, you know, the next two days you wouldn't drink, you detox or whatever. And that like and that was your your way to get through. Right. And like that was your your system. But I'm like. It, it's crazy because you like that was your system working, but you know, like the alcohol had to still be affecting you in those other days, right? But in your mind, this was your way to get it done, right? Like this yeah. was your and, this was your and, way to and do when it. When I was younger, when I was younger, it would just be a day before my start. I wouldn't wow. drink. But as I got like into my mid twenties, then it was like two days before. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. when I was younger, cause I was in double A, like it would be like, I mean, you know, oh, it would just only be the night before. But yeah. like, as I got older up into my, uh, um, up into my, uh, mid twenties, um, and I, uh, not till I, like I played with Kevin Millwood and I would watch his routine and he gave it two days. So then I was like, <laughs> all right, maybe I should give it two days. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that was a better move. You know what? This is interesting because it's funny, uh, you know, uh, David Cohn always jokes about his partying when he played and whatnot. And we, we know he was also a part of those eighties Mets teams and, and we know how notorious they were for partying. Um, but this actually transitions into a question that we got uh, for this episode. And it came from Scott Lindholm. He asked us, do we see MLB and NBA players being more mindful of their nutrition than they were five plus years ago? What do you think about that? Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, I just think athletes in general. But yeah, for sure. I mean... Major, you know, major league baseball players for sure. Um, you know, guys want their meals individualized and, you know, their, their, their diets, you know, tailored to them and how, 
You know, it's going to make them feel, you know, on the field and feeling the best on the field. Man, when I first came up, because it was Snickers and Popeyes <laughs> and all that shit. Like, I came up and, you know what I'm saying? Like, I played with those guys from the late 90s. Yeah. So it yeah. was, you know, it wasn't only the guys that were on steroids were eating, eating healthy. Everybody else was eating like shit. And that's just what it was. You know what I'm saying? And, but like, towards the end of my career, now, you know, I'm just watching. You know, the way that every team has a nutritionist and every meal is, you know, individualized for each guy and what they need and blah, 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 blah. So, man, it's, it's changed so much. And even to the point where baseball was a sport where we didn't work out in the offseason. Only the guys that was on steroids was working out in the offseason. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I didn't work out in the offseason, cuz, until about 2007 or 8. Like, Crazy. Just, I mean, I get to spring training and get ready, cuz. Like, that's, wow. what I, that's what the six weeks is for. And now it's year-round, bro. It's year-round. It, it's so nuts, the evolution of it. And it's funny you say that because I even think about when I was uh, broadcasting games for WFUV at Fordham when I was in college, and we traveled with the basketball team, and they'd stop on the road. Let's say we're going to St. Bonaventure, uh, and it's a seven-hour bus ride to only in New York from from the Bronx, right? And we would stop and like, you know, they're getting food at fast food spots, you know, or yeah. like we're in Cincinnati, like on the way to a game in Xavier, you're stopping at McDonald's or Burger King or Wendy's or whoever, whatever you, know? and you it's can like, get, whatever oh. you can get. And it's like crazy. Now I got to imagine like, you know, even though you could do that, right. As a young, you know, 20 year old athlete, you can consume whatever and be fine. I got to imagine now these programs are not doing that. They're getting their. They're giving these kids optimal nutrition, right? To make their bodies function at their highest level. 1,000%, man. Like, and, and even like to the point where like when I was with the Yankees, I would get jealous of the meals that the minor leaguers got because I remember the slopping shit that I was eating in the minor leagues. <laughs> and, and, and what they get in the minor leagues with the Yankees is incredible because I'm telling oh you, like, it's, it's, they do such a good job with the food now. Um, and, 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 but that's just what the kids are used to. Like, just for example, little C, when he goes into the minor leagues, if he does, if he's blessed enough to, to go play in the minor leagues, he's, he's going to expect like good food. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. They, they, they're not eating fucking McDonald's and Chick-fil-A and shit. Like he wants the <laughs> shit to be like good food. Yeah. Shit that's going to help him get stronger. Like it's just the way they think they, they just so much different and more advanced than we, than we are, than we yeah. were. It's funny because, right, those were the stories like of minor league baseball. You'd have peanut butter and jelly like every single day, right? Like that's the only thing you'd eat. And now it's like, no, we're not going to do that to you. Yeah, it was it was peanut butter and jelly, and you could make like a triple decker. You know what I'm saying with <laughs> with all the bread, and then and then it was fucking neutral grain bars. Oh, that's what yeah. we lived on. And yeah. even like just like just talking about nutrition and like. You know, me and Amber lived together a lot in the minor leagues too. Like, okay. and all we would eat, cause, is Pop Tarts. She would, uh, drink, uh, Tampico, or this nasty ass orange drink. And I orange would drink, drink. Sunny Delight. That's, that's what we ate, cause. And, and we would eat fast food for lunch. Like, it was crazy, man. Like, we had no idea how to, how to do anything. She couldn't cook. I didn't fucking know how to cook. We didn't do, we couldn't do nothing. Dude, it's funny. This reminds me of a story just from my baseball career, uh, when I was in high school and we would go to Florida for spring training and my sophomore year, there was this Dunkin' Donuts 
think it was a Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, it might have been some like anonymous donut place, but I think it was, you know, like Fl- Florida has those like weird particular donut places. But I think, yeah, uh, uh, no, no, no. Everywhere, uh, everywhere except the Northeast has like like yeah. their own donut places. Like yeah. California, we had our own donut places. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this place, I might, I think it actually was a Dunkin' Donuts. So, but it was right next to our hotel. And me and my teammate, who was a really good player, he actually ended up getting drafted by I think the Dodgers eventually. Justin Dignelli, shout out to Diggs. Um, he we we like for some reason decided like, yo, let's see how many donuts we can eat each day before we go and play. Like, and we, that's like spring training in high school when you're playing like you know three games a day and whatever. You know, you're like playing nonstop baseball, and it was like one of those weird deals where you'd buy like four donuts and get eight free. You know, it was just ridiculous. (laughs) And I remember the second day, me and him had each had like six or eight donuts the first day. And like the second day I'm on like six donuts. And all of a sudden I'm like, I get on the field and I'm just like, oh oh my gosh. Like it felt like I was running in tar. My body shut (laughs) down, man. But that in my mind, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking like, oh, this isn't going to, I'm not going to be able to play, you know, like now forget it. I'm like, I can't eat Anything before I hop on a Peloton, man, it's crazy. Man, my diet was uh, my diet was horrible in high school too. Like oh, it was, man. it was, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a trap. It's a crazy how you can operate like that. It's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I, so today we're forgoing Sling and Heat. It will be back next week, but this week we just want to uh, do a, a brief little New Year's Eve episode with you and answer some questions on Twitter, recap some things. So that's the doc. The other thing I want to say, see the reviews for Amber's episode were tremendous. I had so many people reaching out <laughs> about how great it was, man. So I, I, I know, uh, I know there's going to be pressure for part two sometime in your, in the near future for you. Yeah, for sure. I know. No, she does. She does. She does a great job. She did a great job on, uh, on the pod. And, you know, she, right after she was like, how did I do? I was like, no, nah, you did good. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I was excited for her. Yeah. She, she knocked it out of the park. And then you, my friend knocked it out of the park. We haven't, you gotten to talk about this yet, but you were spectacular on the Nets broadcast uh, with me and Sarah. Dude, you did such a great job, man. Hey, thank you. But you guys did a great job of just making it easy. Like it was it was cool. And I'm glad I was there. I think had yeah. I not, if I would have tried to do it over Zoom, it wouldn't it wouldn't have went well. But but me being there, it made it just that much easier and like knowing when to talk and hop in and stuff. It, it was fun, man. That was awesome. And obviously, you know, getting to watch the best team in the best team in the league, I'm gonna call them the best team in the league, um, <laughs> makes it just that much easier. You know what I'm saying? It's easy to call hoop when the team is dope, guys. <laughs> it, believe me, I know. It's funny because we we've gone through some lean years, man, and you're you're in the third quarter of a 30 point game and you're just like, What are you talking about? And you're just trying to find stories, you know? And now it's like every game feels big. It's, you know, it's, it's exciting, man. It really is. But you, dude, you were seamless, so comfortable and you were given insight. But the thing I love most is like, you, you still had your humor. Like it was funny that when Kyrie got knocked down, you're like, you're like, Hey, Kyrie, they, or, or Karis got knocked down. You're like, Hey, Karis, they ain't calling fouls out here. Cause <laughs> like, <laughs> they wasn't calling fouls in that game. You got to play no, through it. Dog. That shit was no. crazy. Oh my god! Now nah, I mean, just watching the watching the dudes play it was fun, man, and being able to like be like hear the producer in your ear and understand yeah. like how hard that shit is. Like that's that's tough, but it but it it's fun though. Like yeah, I just I almost I almost made it through without cussing. 
Right at the end, bro. Like, fuck, two minutes left. Oh, Jesus. Man. So funny, man. Oh, man. A- A- Amber won that grand from you then, right? Yeah, she did. I'm, I'm surprised Flip didn't call me on that one. Yeah. You, well, you know what's funny is I had a, a a long call with Flip the next day, and and he was like, you know, he, he was so good. I, I, who even cares about the cursing at the end? He was so good. So, I was like, so I must like, be good because he gets pissed. Yeah. He he is the only person that hates that I cuss. Yeah. But I'm like, but it's it's I don't cuss because I try to cuss. It's just the way I fucking talk, guys. Like, yeah. And that's just seriously. And I, and I've always been that way. And I think, to be honest, my parents and like everybody around me just just conceded that I was gonna cuss at an early age, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, they gave like, up. I, it, nobody ever like reprimanded me for cussing ever. Like I never yeah. got in trouble for it. You know what I'm saying? And it, but it was just always a part of like how I talk. And so it's just, especially if I get excited, because I don't, you know, it just is what it is. What I love is somehow we just got the origin story of your cussing. I love it. It is, bro. It's it's, it's just so it's honest. I don't do it on purpose. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. No. I you know? no. I know. Your face was hilarious. It was like, oh, <laughs> man, you know, like, it was just Because like, I wanted to oh. make it through. I was feeling good. I just got comfortable. Yeah. I just can't get too comfortable because yeah. as soon as I get comfortable, it's a wrap. <laughs> it was so funny, man. And you and you really did knock it out of the park. So you think you want, will you want to do it again if if, uh, if asked? Basketball? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I would absolutely 1,000% do basketball again for sure. Did it make you? Did it make you think? You know what? Baseball might be more fun than I thought. No, it made me think like I would. I, I wouldn't want to do baseball because <laughs> no, makes, it, 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 no, it gets me further away from baseball because like no, because this nonstop action in the hoop game. You know what I'm saying? Like there is. I just feel like I would just be trying to make up stuff all the time in baseball, and people would want you to be like this expert, expert, and like have this great insight and like. Bro, sometimes that shit is just fucking boring too. Like, it's hard to watch baseball and just and, and be great at calling it all the time. But you like, know what you I, can do that. You love baseball. Like, you really, really love watching baseball. Yeah. And I, I don't think I'm. I, I like. I really, really love watching basketball. Yeah. And fucking football. Yeah. More than I more than I really. I love playing base playing baseball. Yeah. But like watching it is third on my list. But you know what's funny? I. I truly believe, based on seeing kind of the way you were in the basketball game, granted, you're right, the action of the sports is totally different, but I think with the right partner, I think you would actually enjoy the baseball. Maybe not in like a massive dose. I don't think you would ever enjoy it if you were doing 100 games, but like, but if you were doing like, if me, you, and Coney were doing a game, I think you actually would have fun because you wouldn't have to, you, you wouldn't have to function as like what you were just talking about feeling like you need to be an expert every moment you would be able to sort of dive in when you want and feel like I yourself. Just, I just I, yeah but I, you know what I just don't like to hear um like like when I'm hearing a baseball game and commentators and and somebody's always like referring to themselves and mm. I just feel like for baseball like, I would always have to just revert back to myself. You know what I'm saying? And people don't want to hear that shit. Like, with, ba- with basketball and football, it's not me. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I, I can ask questions and I can, like, I don't yeah. know. It's just, it's, it's different with baseball because people expect you to be, like, something, you know, something I, different, I guess. I, I understand what you're saying just from a standpoint of, I used to deal with this when I would uh, 
host my radio show back in the day and I was starting out and our uh, bosses, and this is a little different, but I think it's the same sort of mentality. Our bosses used to be like, establish your credibility, like let them know you're doing, you know, this, you're in these locker room, whatever, you know? And it's like, when you're constantly referring to yourself, it's sort of an uncomfortable thing to do on air, mm -hmm. you know? So if you're saying like, hey, when I'm, when I'm in this situation, I'm throwing my cutter or like whatever you 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 like kind of are like wait am I talking about myself like too yeah much? see that's yeah. what I'm saying so like and so like Coney's so far removed from it that he can't even really talk about himself facing these guys yeah but like if I go do a game right now somebody's gonna want me to tell you how to get Miguel Cabrera like I don't want to fucking sit there and talk about you know what I'm saying like, yeah that's you know what I'm, like that's you that's interesting what I'm saying? yeah yeah that's interesting so like Cody's Cody's so far removed from it that it's actually okay for him to say like you know I you know because he don't know yeah. but like all these guys that are playing right now I face so you're gonna See? want me to give you like some sort some sort some different sort of insight on how to get Mike Trout out or what I did against this guy and blah 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 like and I don't want to do that that's interesting man I I. I'm going to I'm going to tell you this. You could still be fantastic at it even without addressing that. But I'll, I'll work on you. I'll work on you about <laughs> I'll work on you. All right. See, you want to take some uh Twitter questions here? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, uh Owen Moeller asked, "Who now has the best rotation in baseball uh after the Padres traded for Snell and Darvish?" I'm going to tell you who don't. The motherfucking Rays. So that's better <laughs> for the Yankees. <laughs> Dude, you called they this Snell trade. You called oh, yeah, it. I knew it. I called series. it. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy is too, um, he's too good of a pitcher for the, the way they, the way they were treating him. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And, you know, I don't know if he, he went to them and, and, you know, tried to figure something out or what, but yeah, I mean, just after the way they, they, it's almost like they, 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 they treated Glass now the way they should have treated Snell. And they treated, you know what I'm saying? Like they, they had, they had it fucked up. They flip, they flip flopped it. And, you know, after a guy's won the Cy Young, you know, he's got to walk. I, I, I didn't think he was ever going to be able to pitch there again effectively, to be honest. Yeah. I, you know what? That was interesting mentality from you. And, and I never thought they would trade him this early because he still has several years of control and they're coming off a World Series. But this is what the Rays do because of their finances. I, it's not even because of their finances, bro. They develop pitching. Yeah. They don't give a fuck. Like, you know how many guys they let go? Yeah. David Price, Chris Archer, James Shields. Fucking, they let motherfuckers walk. Because, and they always fucking have guys. Yeah. They, they don't give a fuck because they can develop pitching. It's not because of the money or whatever. They still have control of this, of this kid. They just yeah. don't give a fuck because they ain't want to deal with his attitude now. After, you know, going all that far into the, and pitching into the World Series and how they kind of fucked with them, like, fuck it. Are we, they got somebody else coming behind them. How do they do it, see? Because it's, it almost seems like there's no talent they have to keep. They'll always plug and play and find a way to be at least good and sometimes on the verge of being great, right? They're always going to be between 85 and 100 wins, no matter who's on the roster. It's pitching. They always pitch, guys. It, and you know how they, they, yeah, how they, they develop it, pitching? Yeah. They develop, they, 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 every, every one of their guys come up with a great changeup or a split. No matter how hard they throw, they all have a secondary pitch. No, they, all they starters come up from fucking Chirinos to 
Mm-hmm. Like all of them, like they all come up with a with a with a secondary pitch. Like they 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 and they all know how to com- command the strike zone. I mean, and this is going back to all the guys that I named from from Casimir to like everybody that they bring up, guys that that they 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 teach them how to fucking pitch, man. And they all, but it's a changeup or a split. That's and and they and, and most of them throw hard because they're young and they get you know high round picks and they they gonna get they gonna pick at the top of the draft most of the time and and you know they they really really uh, it's, there's there's not there there hasn't been a guy that they that they've developed that's come up that doesn't have a good changeup or a split just think about it yeah that's that's a good point man I I also love from the Padres perspective that they're going for it that they see they have a core that is ready now to take advantage of this moment and they know where the holes on their roster are, what needs to be augmented for them to take the next step. And they've said, forget it. We're going for it. We built up our farm system. This is why. So that when we were in position, we could use these chips. Like people always, fans fall in love with prospects because they hear about them forever. And because there is something about seeing a homegrown guy you know, become a star for you on your team. There's something about that. Man, fuck that shit. Trade them motherfuckers and get some players, guys. Well, well, yes, but that's my point. My point is prospects are good for one of two things. One, either because they become those stars on your roster, or two, because you trade them for the pieces you need. So if you're in position where there's a piece you need and you could trade a prospect, they're still serving a function for your team. It's not like, oh, you gave up on the prospect. No, you use the prospect for something you needed. And that's what the Padres are doing. Let me tell you something, bro. If if we can get a vaccine and we able to be outside and go to baseball games and shit, going to San Diego and on a summer night to watch them play the Dodgers on a weekend series is gonna be the fucking move. Yeah. And it's gonna be it, it's gonna be fucking so athletic and fucking swaggy and some big motherfuckers running and diving all over the field, hitting balls nine hundred feet. It's, that's gonna be <laughs> The craziest series, guys. That shit is gonna be wild. <laughs> the Dodgers and the fucking Padres. That's gonna be. That's the. That's now the, the attraction of fucking baseball. I'm telling you. So you're saying maybe like an uh, that might be like an August R two C two road trip if if uh, we all got vaccines pumping. One thousand percent. I mean that that has to be a destination for sure. Uh, I I mean I I do I enjoy watching the athleticism. What you just said. All right. See, here's a question from uh, Shub seventeen says. What's the worst trash talk anyone ever tried to chirp at CC? Man, the worst trash talk. I ain't go. You know what? Um, I don't know. I don't. I never really heard trash talk. Um, but I remember one time. Uh, was this a dude, Elijah Dukes? Is that a is that a player? That's a player. He was like, he, yeah, he was he was like crazy a little bit. Look him he, up right quick. Look up. Yeah, look up his Elijah name. Elijah Dukes. I think. I, yeah, CC, he played like, for Tampa. Yeah, or he, he played for he the Nationals. Yeah, hell yeah, he punked me on the field, cuz. Yeah, so he was playing for the Nationals, and uh, I was pitching for the Yankees, and and I had, I think it had to be 09. And you know me out on the field, like, I talk shit to anybody. I don't give a fuck. Like, you know, I'm walking around, talking shit, whatever, whatever. And uh, I had heard this dude was crazy. He a big motherfucker, too. And I was like, man, I, like, I ain't fucking with this dude, so... I got him out the first time he grounded out and he ran by the mound. He said something like, fuck, something, something, something. And I turned around, but I didn't say nothing. You know what I'm saying? So I just <laughs> got the ball, whatever, got back on the mound. Next time I get him out, I got him out with a changeup and he like popped up 
and it was the last out, so I'm walking off the field. And he looked at me, he goes, they pay you all the money. He, he said, they paid you all the money to throw them fucking change-ups. And I heard him. <laughs> I swear to God I heard him, cuz. And I looked, but I just kept, I turned around, put my head down, and just kept fucking walking, cuz. I didn't want it. I didn't want no smoke with that dude, cuz. He's the only dude that ever punked me on the field. That's funny, man. So you just let it go. I had to let it go, cuz. And G was like, you heard him? I was like, hell yeah, I heard him. Oh, he was my like, you ain't gonna say nothing? Or you gonna say something? You gonna go out there and fight with me, cuz? And he was like, no. Well, then shut the fuck up. Let's go in this dugout. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, I'm looking at this game right now. You guys won 5-3, June 16th, 2009. Yeah, Elijah, that day. Uh, Elijah Dukes 0 for 4 with a strikeout. You went seven and <laughs> you you went seven and two third innings and yeah. uh and got the win. It was yeah. that night. Yeah, he punked uh, me that night, guys. That's hilarious, man. Oh, I love it. Um, all right, this is actually kind of funny. Uh MJ Ponza tweets at us. I had the wildest dream. The Yankees were playing the Rays, and Ruko was on the call with CeCe as a sideline reporter like they did for the Nets this year. <laughs> the, the Rays drilled Judge, and CeCe hopped the fence in his suit and straight-up tackled the pitcher like Bobby Boucher. Would CeCe uh, do this? Absolutely not, because I'm, I'm over it now. <laughs> oh, that That's would be funny, so though. great, though. That's um, great. Oh, my gosh. That would be so fantastic. All right, a couple more here questions. Um this is interesting. Max Manis, uh, who's very involved in the Sabre community, asked, what was the worst advice CC ever received from a coach or teammate in his playing career? Oh, man. You always get bad advice. Um, I think the worst advice I ever gotten was, um, I mean, it, it, like when I first, it, it, early in my career, my, my, um, my, uh, my windup was like a big deal. Like they were trying to figure out if I was going to go over my head, if I was going to, you know, keep my hand still, blah, blah, blah. But I remember one of, one of the pitching coaches, um, and he's, he's, he was actually a manager for a long time. Um, may still be a manager. I got to look, but he told me if I didn't go over my head that I was never going to make it to the big leagues. And wow. that, like if I, if I didn't listen to him that I wasn't never going to make it to the big leagues, ended up telling Shapiro that I was fat and like, I didn't listen and I, you know, I didn't work hard and, you know, they shouldn't like, you know, put, invest a lot of, t you know, stuff in me because I was going to be out of there soon and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The guy was terrible, but he wanted me to keep going over my head, but it was like too much work for me. Like with my, you know, my big ass body, like trying to go over my head, it just, it just didn't flow for my, for my delivery. Um, but so that was, that was the worst advice. Dude, I'll tell you who the guy was offline. Okay, sounds good. I'm excited about it because what's funny about that is I'm looking back at Jack Curry and David Cohn's book, Full Count, and I don't know if I could find it quick enough, but Coney tells this story, like in the beginning, I probably won't find it, but of a pitching coach he had when he was starting out in the Royal System who was a, he was a big time pitching coach. Like he, he was a very famous pitching coach and he said something similar to, uh, actually, I might have just, I might have just flipped to it. Um, like he, that because he used to like, I don't know, it was something about like wrapping the wrist or something like that. And they tried to mess with his motion, and the pitching coach basically told him like, "You're never going to be good if you." Yeah. So do it this, this was way. this was in a time. See, like. Same thing. This is in the time back when everybody had to be like cookie cutter. So they tried to teach everybody to pitch exactly the same. 
everybody's body don't work the same. Cause like now that, you know, every organization just wants you to get the best out of your body. Like yeah. how can we get the best out of your body? Like we don't need everybody going over their head, doing the same fucking totes. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. every pitcher is not the same. Back then they thought it was only one way to pitch. Yeah. And if you didn't throw like this, you don't look like this and you can't pitch. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> like it, and so it just, it was it just didn't make any sense. And for me, like yeah. I always knew I was different, cause like yeah. there's nobody, literally nobody that looks like me. Yeah. Like there's nobody that's fucking got my size, my legs, yeah. like right. nobody, cause so I was gonna I was gonna have to make up my own shit anyway. So I had to do what was best for me, cause so what was easier for me was not going over my fucking head. But I get that, dude. It's like you know, it's not one size fits all. And then you. As a young athlete, I'm sure you had to deal with this mentally where you're like, okay, I know what I have to do to be successful, and it's not what that guy's saying. But yeah. I don't want them to think I also am not coachable or can't be, you know, or aren't a good listener. But I know the only way they're going to keep me here is if I get results, and I'm not going to get results if I do their dumb shit. Yeah, and but, like, for me, because, like, I was so hard-headed and stubborn back then. Like, I, I didn't give a fuck what nobody said. I knew what was like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I knew like the shit that I could and couldn't do. Yeah. And like one person I'm going to tell you who backed me up that I can like was Tim Belcher. Like Belcher's like, oh. man, cause like you have to know, you have, you can only do what you can do. So yeah. if these motherfuckers are asking you to do something you can't do, then scrap it. Yeah. And I used to be like, and once he said that, I was like, you know what? I'm doing my own fucking thing now. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> it, I'm scrapping it. It worked but, out. But I, I would always try to listen to everybody. Yeah. And, and and that's being coachable. Like, I would try to listen to everybody, and what applies to me applies to me, and what don't, don't, bro. Period. It, it's it's so interesting. Like, I, um, you know, it's great to have rabbis, right? It's great to have those people who you do respect and trust, who give you feedback, and they make you better. Like, it, it, but it's, you got to be careful who you weed out. Like, I've had... I've had some great one uh, Frank DeGrace who, you know, was our producer for the Nets game. He he's been our senior producer for the Nets for years and since I was there and he's given me such amazing tangible advice throughout my career. Things that make me better. You know, like just giving you one thing. He taught me early on. He said, "At the end of games, do a final call. Don't do a run-on sentence." So no matter what's going, no matter whether it's exciting or not, Always punctuate the game at the end with one final call and then go into whatever. So it's like, you know, no matter what conversation it is, it's a 30-point blowout. Who cares? We just kind of, you know, jerking around at the end of a game. But then when it goes final, say, you know, give that call of like, you know, the Nets win an authoritative game against the Pacers, whatever. It's one line, whatever it is, you know, do that no matter what. I can't tell you how useful that has been in my career just even framing then when I call a title, you know, in WNBA or like a playoff game or whatever. Like he, like those guys are are great. Flip, Flip taught me early on. He said, John Philippelli, yes, no. He's like, bag your, you know, uh, goodbye, sir, home run call. And his reason was, he's like, you're going to, if you, if you get locked into one thing, you're always going to have to do it. Also, I don't think he loved it, but like, and he was like, but <laughs> he's like, but this way you could be creative. You can, you know, you could say different things at different times. You know, it served me very well because I wouldn't have had some of the my my more favorite calls if I was only going to one thing. But then occasionally you get people who are just, 
you know, they just want to put their touch on you. You don't respect them. And in a lot of ways, they may not have made it themselves or whatever it might be. And I, I had someone at Yankee Stadium a couple years ago come up to me and say like, you know, oh, you know, it was when I was in that stretch, like filling in for uh, Kay. They're like, oh, you know, you're, you're, you're getting a lot of praise for this. And as soon as they said that, I was like, that's a weird, weird way to say, like, you know, you would just say you're doing a nice job if you felt that, you know, like, so a antenna was up and they're like, yeah, you having fun? Oh yeah, I'm having a blast, whatever. And I'm like, just trying to get out of the conversation. Cause I, I, I don't particularly love interacting with this person anyway. And, and they're like, can I give you one piece of advice? And I was just like, you could give it to me. Doesn't mean I'm going to listen to you. And, <laughs> and he gave it and he's like, and I was like, I was like, uh, he, he was like, thanks for, uh, thanks for listening. And I was like, no problem. I totally disagree, but happy to listen. And he was like, no, trust me, just try it. And I was like, nah, I'm good, man. But like, you, you know, it, it when you have to do that, like with certain people or, or you have to do the, okay, okay. And let it go in one ear and out the other. You can't take yeah. the advice from everybody. Yeah. Nah, like for me, I'm, 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 I'm the way where like, if I don't agree with the advice and I know it's not going to work for me, I have to tell you that that was stupid. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what so I like, too. Yeah, 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 I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, that, I'm that way. Where I'm like, no, don't, don't, don't give me stupid fucking advice, bro. Like, if you want to say what's up, just say what's up. But like, get the fuck out of my face. Yeah. So like, yeah, I, I, I have to like, yeah, I'm a dick in that way. For yeah. sure. I, I also will and, say this. And that keeps yeah. small talk. That keeps you out of small talk and dumb conversations yeah. that you don't want to be in. Exactly. You know what I'm Exactly. A hundred percent. Like, uh, you know, I, I don't have to be, you know, an asshole to this person, but I also don't have to act like I want to be in this conversation. You know, let's keep it moving. <laughs> let's yeah. let's go. I, I, I also, one thing like that always cracked me up is like, you know, you will have, this used to happen a ton back in the day with old management I had at ESPN radio in New York, where like they'd see something in the paper from a media critic and then that would be their critique, you know? And it's like it would never be in their head until 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 so Bob Raceman wrote it. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I, I cannot respect you if your, you know, critique comes from this media critic. Like, you need yeah. to come up with it first, or it's not legitimate to me. Not to say that they don't ever say legitimate things, but it ne you need to think of it first. Otherwise, you come to me afterwards, I'm tuning it right out. Anyway, that's where that's at. Um, all right, see. We got a couple more real quick. Oh, this is a good one. Jessica Marie, Tiny86, asks to both of you, what is one thing you learned about yourself in 2020? Man, I think uh, I'll let you go first. I was going to say, were you going to say you, you learned that you could fit into a large? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, that's one thing. You know, man, I would say I learned I don't need as much of the sort of adrenaline stimulation to find joy in my life as I thought I did. Like I am very used to being on the go all the time and being in this city, this city at this arena, packed house, whatever. Right. And like the high of that and the art of play by play I do need. And it's something I love and it feels like what I was meant to do, you know? And, and it, yeah, but you dope at that though. Cause Thank you, man. You know I, what I mean? Like, yeah. I appreciate that, man. It, I mean, you know what it's like because it was pitching for you, right? It's like, it feels like what you were meant to do. But I also was kind of addicted to, you know, like 
you know, you're constantly traveling and the hustle of it and the stimulation of it. And I realized like, I love getting to spend more time at home with my wife. I love getting to go for like walks and like bike rides and like, you know, like I like being home. Like I, I, I like being in nature. Like I like having an early dinner and like cooking and stuff. And I, you know, I'm really more of like a, a, a bootleg sous chef, let's be honest. But, you know, like <laughs> I, I realize that I like that stuff and that stuff's fulfilling to me, maybe even more so than I thought. No, no I mean, that's 1000% no doubt. Um, you know, for me, it's not even that I realized that, like I knew that, like I was mm. looking forward to that. I think I real. I think, you know, one thing I realized is that I don't need baseball. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, I like, I was tired of the traveling and like the hustle and bustle, like everything that you name it. Like I was exhausted from that shit. Like, so I was looking forward to like going on bike rides and playing softball and like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Going to sleep early and like being on like a regular schedule. Like I think the, 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 the biggest thing, like I said, I feel like I, I just like, I, like I don't need baseball. Like there's other shit that I have going on. Like, and it, and it just, it, like, and I said this, man, like, I said this early this year, like, I felt so far removed from being a baseball player because I had just, like, been done with the competition. Like, when, like, when I tore my, my shoulder, like, that next day, you can even see it in the, like, in the dock. I was just, like, over it, cuz. And I really was. And I'm just, like, I'm over that shit. Like, I can't even picture myself getting on the fucking mound right now. Nowhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not even like that shit is like a whole nother life. And it's only been not even been a, basically a year. What do you what so, do you think? What do you think you were you most like spent from from the competing, the focusing, the preparing? Was there, is there any one it. thing? All of it? No, nah, all of it. I mean, not the preparing, not like the working out. Like I, I'm just getting into working out. So like I'm like I'm I'm you know, I'm loving that part of it, but like mm. just the the anxiety of like, mm. you know, I'll be on vacation in December, cousin, and I'm worried about like a game I got to pitch in fucking May against, you know, Boston. Yeah. But that, you know, like that shit is coming. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you, there's never any time to relax, bro. Like I never, ever relaxed. It was never off my mind. It was never far from like my fucking thought. So yeah. like I was tired of that because, and, and it's always been like that. I mean, there was never not this, um, um, this crazy amount of pressure on me ever. Yeah. Like from the time, like you're trying to get drafted in the first round, like yeah. how much pressure is that you're dealing with? You know what I'm saying? Like, but I never even like, I never fucking, it just is, it just was what it was. Yeah. So yeah. you just get used to that fucking living like that lifestyle. And, and it's like 30 years of that shit, bro. And I'm, I was done. That's a really interesting, insightful answer. I, I was even thinking, man, like, you know, I don't know. At some point the other day, I don't know if I was watching a game and Andrea and I were talking about this, but I was just like, I can't imagine just, and we, you know, we talk about this a little bit, but I, I don't think I ever like thought about just this tangibly, just the scrutiny every single day you go to work, right? Like, I mean, every time you're on the mound, now that's what you, that's why you get, you get paid handsomely. You know, there's a lot of benefits that come with it. We all know that, but that is incredible. Just that scrutiny of every day you go to work being being examined like that. But not even that, though, dog. Like, the, the, the fuck the scrutiny. That's, like, what we signed up for. Like, mm. I literally signed up for that. And I and I scrutinize people. We sit, I sit here and talk shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what we do. <laughs> but, like, yeah. the not being able to sleep at night because I gave up a fucking 
slide a, a hit mm. on a slider, a one-two slider. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah, that yeah. shit, cause yeah, yeah. that type of not sleeping at night. I don't give a fuck about my name being in the paper or me being on Sports Center and all that shit. Like I signed up for that. Like not yeah. being able to sleep after not being able to get David Eckstein out three fucking times or whoever <laughs> else, you know what I'm saying? Like that's the shit that I was like over, cause like Mm. And, that, and that had been forever. And I, and I say 30 years because I had, I felt like I had been like that since I was 10 years old. Like, mm. but it's just the, the, yeah, that, I mean, it was never not far from my mind. Like me having to, you know, be in fucking Baltimore facing Adam Jones. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. uh, fuck that. I'm, I'm tired of that shit. Man, that's an awesome answer. I think, you know, with that, see, we can wrap up the social media questions. Hey, we ended up going longer than expected. That's what we do. You know, that, that uh, <laughs> we, we had to give a legit episode to the people for New Year's Eve. And, I, you know, I just want to say, you know, uh, to our audience, I know, uh, you know, this year has been incredibly trying for some people. It's been tragic, you know, for others. At, at best, they've been inconvenienced. At worst, they've dealt with loss. Everybody in some way has had to deal with the psychological ramifications of seeing our society flipped upside down. Everybody's had to confront fear uh, in different ways. And, you know, I, I, I just want to say, you know, we're getting there. 2021 will be better. Even if it takes a little while for us to get to the other side of this, we will. Better days are ahead. And, you know, I just want to wish everybody, their families, their loved ones, peace and joy and i hope you guys are all surrounded by people in a safe manner but people that you love uh during this time of year and and keep those positive vibes going because we will we will get to a a more uh optimistic uh place will become our reality in the not too distant future i really truly believe that yeah for sure i couldn't have said it better than that happy new year bro yeah happy new year man you enjoy it you're gonna uh you're gonna celebrate with the fam uh Will you will you be up at midnight or you go to bed ahead of time? What's your what's your uh Man, your routine? You know what? Like I seen a meme today where it was like uh it was like sleep at eleven fifty nine, up at twelve, yeah, sleep at twelve oh one. That's me, bro. I, <laughs> I, I probably won't make it. I haven't made it. I haven't made it in the last couple of years, but we'll see. My kids oh, are getting man. older. Carter wants to stay yeah. up, so we'll see. Hey man. Well, happy new year to you, to Amber, to the kids. Have a great one, man. And uh, to our audience, we love you guys. Happy New Year. And um, we'll be back with a uh, brand new episode next Thursday, man. Right back. That's right. Peace. Peace.